0: Today's episode is all about being your own human experiment with some examples in chanting and telepathy.
1: Curiosity is about the darkness, about the unknown. Like what what is there that I don't know? And like that's part of darkness too, and that's that's really like a part of the hero's journey, a part of adventure is like I want to understand what's there that I that I don't know about and I'm just going to go exploring. And that's a natural part of being human really is this how my character is going to evolve through this process of discovering uh, from the from the unknown like illuminating the darkness in our own story
0: It's a new day, a new episode and a new opportunity to subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening for the first time? Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you always know about new episodes. Plus, it makes you one of my favorite people. Because the more subscribers I have, the more I attract amazing guests to help better serve you. So don't forget to subscribe. When was the last time you performed your own human experiment on yourself? Okay, it sounds kind of creepy and like Dr. Frankenstein-esque, right? But it shouldn't. I think self-experimentation might be one of the purposes of life. I kind of imagine a bunch of souls gathered around deciding who wants to take the plunge into earth school. What would be their motivation for going? I really doubt it would be very enticing for these all powerful beings to know that they're coming just to follow a set structure that's already been laid out. Go on now, little soul. You're going to be in a human body and it can do amazing things, but mostly you're going to use it to slump at a desk or on a couch. You're going to have feelings, but don't make them too big or you'll make people uncomfortable, so just hold back, okay? You're probably going to take some drugs throughout your lifetime, but the really cool ones that we left for you that may help you remember us, those will be illegal and very hard to find. Don't worry, though, you will be able to take some. They come in little orange bottles and many are highly addictive and may cause you to lose your will to live, but lots of those will be legal because it makes the earth people money. There are lots of ways to take care of yourself and to biohack your human using the resources the Earth provides. But you probably won't know about them because it doesn't make the powerful humans money. Oh, and there's some really great food on Earth. It's one of the things Earth is known for. But a majority of the food you will eat are actually food-like chemical compounds with pretty colors and enticing branding that will slowly destroy your body. And like we said, you might be slumped at a desk most of your waking hours doing things you find meaningless. So you won't really care your body is breaking down because you'll be ready to get out of there after just a few decades. Okay, I'll stop. (laughs) Sounds like a dystopian nightmare. There's just no way that that version of life is why we came here. I imagine it more like this. You're going to be in a human body and it can do amazing things. So you're going to have the chance to help it work optimally. There's still so much to learn. Many humans have forgotten just how powerful they are. So it's your job to remember and to remind others. Remembering your nature is best done in nature. And thankfully, nature is beautiful. So spend a lot of time there. So many natural resources help you biohack your system. So experiment. Many humans have fallen into patterns that benefit other people without even knowing. So challenge your thoughts and your habits every day. Veer away from the norm and don't listen to criticism. You're going to have feelings, so really feel them. Don't be afraid of the big ones. They're guiding you toward your true path. Now that sounds like an experiment I'd like to take on. That sounds like a reason to come to Earth School, even despite the pain we experience here. I'm always experimenting on myself. And don't worry, I'm not like mixing bathroom cleaners together and ingesting it. But I am seeing if there are little things I can tweak in order to find a better way to be in this world. So everything from meditating regularly, trying new schedules, waking up earlier, sleeping more, eating differently, breaking habits, creating new ones, different styles of movement or vocal practices, including just screaming... I used to have depression pretty badly. It would come and go, so in my early 20s, I was on medication for it. I also have ADD, so I was prescribed a large dose of Adderall for over a decade. But even when I was heavily medicated, doing those things that I thought were helping me, maybe I wasn't daydreaming about dying so often, but I can't say I was really living. I still didn't feel good with all the doctor's help, especially in my body. For me, a big turning point was realizing that most of the approved ways of helping yourself, especially if it's approved by some administration or organization, they are profiting somebody else. So can I really trust that they have my best interest in mind? To me, it felt more like they were just ensuring they had a lifelong customer. And just a disclaimer, I am not demonizing Western medicine. I'm sharing my experience with it. I definitely think there's a place for it. And there have been so many medical wonders, almost miracles. So if you're prescribed something and you feel good about it, go for it. But for me, I don't think that a pill is the first or the best option for helping myself because those pills never really get to the root of the problem. And again, this is for me and my experience. I started to feel that pull from my intuition, that maybe there was a different way. So I listened and that turned out to be right for me. Well, when I actually started to experiment with what I was consuming in my body and my mind or how I was moving or who I was blending my energy with, that's when things in my life started to change drastically. At one point in my life, I assumed that all the things worth doing were likely to have been proven effective or ineffective already. So I'd Google, is vitamin C effective? And I'd see all these things about how it's not proven and blah, blah, blah. So the next time somebody told me to take vitamin C, I'd say, well, did you know there's not really any scientific evidence that it actually does anything? And what I wouldn't realize is that vitamin C just doesn't make people enough money to be supported by a large medical study. Whereas competing products or products with long names that ends with oxypin, those do. Not to mention, vitamin C boosts your immune system so you may not fall ill as often, which then decreases your chance of becoming a customer. So regardless of how long something like vitamin C has been used and all of the anecdotal evidence, your doctor is most likely not going to send you home with vitamin C. And I'm bringing this up not because I want to get into some big discussion about big pharma, but because this is true for so many potential life-changing things worth doing. Just because your doctor isn't telling you to take cold showers every morning to optimize your body doesn't mean it's not highly effective. Just because you aren't prescribed vitamin D doesn't mean it doesn't have the ability to make you happier and healthier when you go outside and stand in the sun. And one more disclaimer, because I feel like so many people have emotions around this topic one way or the other, like they feel like they're on a team and they've got to defend their team to the death... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not saying to go drink a potion from the witch doctor down the street, unless you really trust her. I'm saying that we all have more power and more capacity to completely change our lives than we really understand. Look at Wim Hof over there defying what we thought was ever possible for a human, taking two-hour ice baths and hiking Mount Everest in shorts, just living his best life. People are claiming the ability to unlock telepathy or astral projection or seeing auras or speaking to spirit guides or speaking languages they've never officially learned. Those people that lead the way of possibility don't wait for approval or even proof. They have an idea and they act or they ask for guidance and then follow it. So today we're talking to someone who lives the philosophy that he is his own experiment and his name is Derek Loudermilk. He's been on the show before, almost three years ago, and he's actually been his own primary subject of over 50 metaphysical experiments, including telepathy, chanting, and astral projection. So three key things we will learn are how to unlock your voice, how to align energies using chanting, and a daily practice for telepathy. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. And now let's welcome Derek Loudermilk back to the show.
1: Melissa, great to be back. Great to see you again.
0: <laughs> yeah, last time we spoke, you had a baby. I did not. You were sharing me the glories of it. And I was like, I don't know about it. And now I'm like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with this guy. <laughs> and not you, so my I, baby. But
1: so you. <laughs> maybe i convince you, but. Uh,
0: yeah, it was, was only your... you. That call is the only sole reason I've had a baby. <laughs> so thanks for that. So in the last few years, we've both been up to a lot. I had a baby and you've been basically biohacking doing human experiments on yourself to share all of the glory with all of us so that we don't have to. Give us a little brief rundown of what you've been up to and why.
1: Yeah, and I was I was almost thinking uh it might be spiritual hacking might be a, a better term because it encompasses uh both materialistic like doing things on my physical body but also a lot of multidimensional practices and and awareness. And as a former scientist, I've really had to... I've always been an experimentalist, but I had to move beyond the material world to learn a lot of these things. And I've been on that journey for about seven years, but just getting getting more involved uh, recently over the last couple of years.
0: So with everything that you've done, before we get into the specifics... What do you think has been like the overarching lesson or or big thing that you've learned through it?
1: Uh it's it's the universe is such a wonderful, fascinating and loving place. Like every time I uncover something, it's it's just like, wow, the universe is so perfect and it's all set up exactly how I would want it to be and and so it's just very affirming in, in that regard to <laughs> to have it just keep coming back to love and and goodness and connection and all these things, which you know, are, are great to talk about, but to actually experience over and over again in different ways is, is wonderful.
0: I've actually been reaching out to different people that I just plant medicine experiences, a lot of the different types of spiritual hacking. I've been really interested in interviewing spiritual leaders at this time, especially because I feel like I need that. I need to be in the spiritual world in order to kind of keep my hope through everything going on in the world. And it is, you're right. Like I go back and forth between wanting to stay really informed and to be prepared. And, but it's a bummer. (laughs) It's a huge bummer being super informed. And so then I'm like, wait, I need to step back and just remember what's true. And I don't think that is necessarily anything that's going on in the world. It's the truth of what is which just always comes back to love i think love is the number one truth if so to speak and um yeah but it, it's really easy to forget when we're just in the day to day of everything
1: yeah i notice in myself when i get sucked into something that i brings me into like i'm going to fight the fight the power and and then i get into this totally different state where i'm like okay here's all the reasons why we should be doing it differently and it's like Uh, it's a very heavy thing to feel and and it's just draining to me a lot of the times. And so a lot of times I'm just choosing not to engage on things when other social media people are stepping in. Oh, you should, you should, uh, you know, silence is violence. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't feel like weighing in on any of that stuff. A few times I do and it's just almost never worth it. (laughs) So. uh,
0: Yeah, I understand that because on one hand I have, I get mixed messages even in response, but it's less about how other people respond and more about like really sitting with myself and, and saying, How do I feel right now? And so there's this balance between like activism or creating the world you want to be in. But you said something that kind of stood out where you're like, Well, when you get into that, you feel like, Well, things should be different. And what I keep trying to remind myself is that I don't have the full picture from my limited human perspective. And I don't have to condone or agree with certain things that are going on for them to be playing out exactly as they should. And I don't know how everything's going to end. And it doesn't really matter what side you're on. You can look at that from either of the perspectives, whichever thing creates the most fear within you. You don't know the entire truth. You cannot know 100% what is true and what is not. Byron Katie has been reminding me of this <laughs> recently and and so the change that you create starts from inside. And so the more that I actually tune into my own body and I'm like, "Well, what do I want to see? What do I feel like everyone else should do more of?" Can <laughs> that's just like a, re- a reflection for me to do more of that thing or to be more of that thing.
1: Yeah, and speaking of kids, you know, I see this they, they say, like, you know, one enlightened person can impact, you know, uh, 700 million people or something like that. The it's a, it's a logarithmic scale of of influence of love. But so if I go out with my three-year-old daughter and she's just, like, smiling and loving on everyone in the grocery store or something like that. And then it just, like, the whole mood in the grocery store changes, right? It's just, like, she's just, like, coming in and being, like, bing, fairy dust here, you know, a little <laughs> bit of magic and some smiles and laughter. And it changes the whole thing, and she's not doing anything. She's just being right. And so that ripples out and so it's it's such I see it illustrated over and over again. you know, anybody can can do this if you get into a state where you have unconditional love for anyone you meet, right? And sometimes I like to practice like putting little angel wings on on the homeless people as I walk by them, or you know, pretending I'm everyone's father, and I'm just like spreading unconditional love, but like whatever way that you do it, then you can, can tell that they pick up on it, even though you're not even interacting with someone.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash mindlove. back to Byron Katie. I I read Byron Katie's book a long time ago, and then I decided to re-dive into the audiobook of Loving What Is. And it was like a whole new book because I'm a new person since the last time I, re- I went through the information. And so then I, I just became obsessed and started reading every single book that she has. So I really have Byron Katie top of mind. Mm. But the amount of times that I have to remind myself with my own thoughts, like, is that true? And it could be a judgment about somebody else. And it's like, who would you be without that story? Who would that person in front of you be without your story about them? Because that's what I've noticed. Like I've spent so much time on either side of so many arguments because that's kind of how I, I deal with judgment. Because I know that when I have like a very strong opinion about something, the other side seems evil. You know, like it's very easy to look at the other side to either think of them as ignorant or stupid or uninformed or evil. And what I found, though, if I actually spend time getting to know that person or the other side of the argument, they have very valid points. And I find that they're just they see something differently, like maybe they support the values of something, but they don't think that the party, so to speak, is is doing anything about that, they think they're lying or whatever, rather than being against that thing that you think they're against or or whatever it is, they just see it differently.
1: There's equally in the eyes of the universe is an equally valid path to be a negatively polarized person. So uh, if they're, and, and the negative polarity uses like control and fear and those types of tactics to get what it wants. And in the evolutionary sense, it's equally as possible to learn things for your progression on that side of things, as it is on the positive loving side of polarity. So from the sense of the universe there, like neither one is good or bad, but that's the difference between David Hawkins. uh, I was just talking about this with Aaron Abke, David Hawkins calls it power versus force. And so love attracts, love is a magnetic thing. And and you you bring momentum to something, you attract a group of people around an objective. Versus the negative polarity will try to use methods to divide and control and manipulate in order to reach an objective. So there's there's different traits that the sides uses, but but both are equally valid in terms of like the the progression of evolution of a soul.
0: Oh, I love that, and it it actually reminds me too, um, because I was in one of my rabbit hole days doing all the the research, and then realizing, ooh, I can feel that in my body, and I need to take another break and just. <laughs> only focus on my own personal vibration. And, and uh, I was reflecting on the last few years and looking at different times that I spent maybe too much time looking into the dark side without balancing it out. And, and so feeling that, feeling how that was affecting me, feeling how that was affecting my vibration, which then I would spread with whoever that I would meet unintentionally, you know? And it wasn't like I was going out and intentionally being a Debbie Downer. But I think when you don't feel super hopeful... Even if you have a smile on your face, you're spreading that. You're spreading the energy that you're carrying. And so I was talking to a family member I trust about this, and she said, uh, she reminded me that even when it seems like the world is getting worse, the darkness has to come into the light for it to transform. And so in both aspects of that, and I could see that reflected not just in the world like i choose to think that everything's going to turn out better than it was before like i want to think that all of this stuff is happening because there are outdated structures that aren't helpful for us that are creating division and unfairness and and the world is being shook up right now like we're seeing things in a new way people are awakening to things that we didn't know before that we didn't see so clearly and in the same token when i go through that process and i go into the depths of Darkness, because I have always uh, had really strong emotions. It's the empath in me, I assume, but I'll go through a period of just feeling dark and then I have to bring out all of my tools to come back into the light. But every time I come back to the light, it's like it's a little lighter than it was last time I was there, you know? And so it's like I'm going into there to dig it up, to reveal it so that I can bring awareness to it, so that I can bring the healing to it. So I think that that reflection of outside and inside. Is exactly how it works. And the more that I do that work within myself, the more I'm going to actually see that happening outside of myself, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I just came across a new way of viewing darkness, which falls in line with my identity of a long time as, a, as an adventurer and explorer. And that's kind of some of the stuff we were talking about last time we got together for an episode. And really, curiosity is about the darkness about the unknown like what is there that i don't know and like that's part of darkness too that's really like a part of the hero's journey a part of adventure is like i want to understand what's there that i that i don't know about and i'm just going to go exploring and that's a natural part of being human really is this how my my character is going to evolve through this this process of discovering uh, from the from the unknown like illuminating the darkness in our own story
0: Oh, I love that because we tend to associate darkness with something negative where it doesn't have to be that at all. It could just be a lack of awareness. It could just be the things that are still lurking in the shadows that you haven't brought out. And it's it's not, we all have those shadow sides. We all have the, the. Uh, I remember interviewing Teal Swan who talked a lot about the shadow side and integrating that and, and not bringing judgment to it and realizing that, instead of shaming those darker parts or the the parts of ourselves that we aren't proud of, just realize that we're all complex, multifaceted humans and we're all of that at once, <laughs> you know? And, and, and being okay with that and accepting and loving that is the best way to actually not just integrate it, but actually love ourselves entirely.
1: Mm. I like Teal Swan,
0: yeah. <laughs> Teal Swan's controversial, but I like her. I went down the rabbit hole of her too and I came out with a different conclusion than some trending articles, but she she is, her videos, you can just kind of hear the wisdom in her. So I'm curious though, what have you been exploring and which experiences have stood out to you?
1: Yeah. So one of the privileges and approaches that I take on my podcast is I'll, I'll discover some healer or some scientific researcher that's found a new modality of uh, whatever it is. And the way I do it is I usually get a session or two with them and experience exactly what it is they've discovered. And then I do the interview. So I'm, so I'm always giving myself a firsthand experience of the modality, whether it's, um, crystal resonance therapy or biofield tuning or, you know, high performance hypnosis, whatever it might be, I want to experience the thing. And then I often, you know, read their book and interview them. And it's, it's so cool. I I mean, just, for example, I'm thinking of uh, crystal resonance therapy, which is like kind of like Reiki, but they put crystals all over your body and it, um, different aspects of the body harmonize with the, with the crystals themselves. And you can feel all kinds of... I can feel, and actually sent, sent some other people to do this as well, but they, you, you can feel different sensations of heat or buzzing or ringing in the ear, and then you notice mm-hmm. different emotional patterns coming up. And it's, it's so cool just to have that firsthand experience of a thing and then overlay that with, well, what is the, what is the explanation? What, you know, why is this happening? How does it work? So I really started to understand, to to understand healing, you have to understand quantum, quantum physics and, and the dimensions and densities and so many different aspects of, of consciousness and how consciousness creates the material world. And the more I learn, the more I discover, I, I don't know.
0: I was just saying that to someone. I'm like, wow, every time I go down like into deep exploration of something, it just that something that actually rocks my world or like makes me see something different. I'm like, why do I say I know anything? I, d- I don't. <laughs> and I, there's, a, there's a freedom in that. Well, what shifts did you notice? Did you notice any lasting shifts or was it more just experiential while it was happening?
1: Yeah, all kinds of all kinds of lasting shifts. So one example recently, I went on a on a retreat expedition uh, last year called Vocal Transformation with this woman, Marin Azoff, and she has this method was given to her by ayahuasca, and it's a combination of Tibetan Buddhism, and classical voice training. You know, Broadway singer, recording artist, and the plant medicine. So it's so it's weaving all these things together in a way of using your voice and sound and vibration to harmonize the different centers of the body. And I noticed things in myself doing this daily you know, chanting practice. So I sent my wife on the same retreat to Costa Rica and she just got back a couple of weeks ago. And since she got back, we haven't had a single conflict, which is super rare for us to not to not be in that type of friction at least, you know, once a week or something like that. So the reason why I think is because there's some amount of, I'm no longer judging you or no longer wanting you to be different. I think it comes from accepting ourselves in such a way that we're not trying to get the other person to change, which is where most of our conflict was arising from. You know, you're doing something I don't like. I wish you were different. Why can't you just be different? But now it's it changes in a way that we're appreciating that we are different. And even though it's inconvenient or a hassle for you not to like these things, then we're not going to get into conflict. But it's, I don't know, it's it's, it's subtle in a way. But the, the fact that we're not arguing is the very like visible result.
0: So when you're experiencing a situation where there perhaps would have been a conflict that arises, is it just, do you feel that what you've, Both have gone through just automatically makes it feel seamless, or has it given you the mental tools to kind of talk it out in your head before you create the conflict? Does that make sense?
1: I know what you're saying. It's not that sluggish. It's more of like you've, I, and I don't know about her experience, but I feel the charge just sort of arise and quickly dissipate,
0: Mm.
1: whereas before it would stick around for a long time.
0: So, chant for me
1: (laughs) I want to know what this
0: (laughs) chanting is like I'm so So curious each
1: chakra has its own sound so the root chakra is lam and then the sacral chakra is vam the solar plexus chakra chakra is ram and it goes up and I'm on uh, I've got to the heart heart chakra right now which is yo And you can feel it uh, resonating in these different locations in your body as you do it.
0: I learned that. I can't remember if it was a previous episode or yoga teacher training. But one thing that I found actually fascinating was when I did yoga teacher training way back in 2000, beginning of 2013, that Sanskrit words are actually, it's the most fascinating language ever because like the word in Sanskrit for wrist, for example, is a when you say it, that's the area of your body that activates through vibration. So in the same way that you're saying in the, well, when you make that particular sound, that is the heart chakra. And so it's just so interesting to me how It's like these ancient cultures knew these things that were like, oh, wow, how did you have the technology? (laughs) You know, but it's just like this intuitive knowing or maybe they received it through a source that they were more connected to than we are because we can't put down our phones or whatever it is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think I think probably a lot of yoga people understand that. But the (laughs) the difference is sort of I never would have thought to spend so much time on a single point in my body just chanting to a single you know it's so so you do uh, a full mala so that's 108 beads on a mala uh, for 40 days for each center so you end up doing whatever it is 42,000 loms for the for the one chakra and it's like each one should be fully open and expressed and flowing as an energy center as you move on on to the next one and you know you have to start at the at the lower ones in order to support the opening of the higher ones so the the lower three connect with, through the heart to the higher three. I, you know, it's I'm not, I'm not super technical about it, but I'm experiencing, I, I get a lot of, um, yeah, just joy from doing, from doing it as a daily practice.
0: So what does that daily practice look like?
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
0: So what does that daily practice look like? Cuz you said you're on the heart chakra right now. So it sounds like it's an evolution of like you just started with the root for how long was it days? Was it just that session?
1: Yes, it's it's 40 days per chakra.
0: 40 Oh, so that's why you said 42,000 times that you end up
1: saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm on uh so I'm 130 days in to this Practice, it's 280 days to go through all seven chakras.
0: How long does it take you to do just your daily session?
1: It's about half an hour. And I I like to do it in conjunction with some meditation, but it doesn't always happen. Sometimes I'll even find I have to do it while I'm driving, which is kind of fun um, because it takes a... So if you're really putting yourself into it and you're making a really big sound and partly I'm doing this vocal work so I can speak truth so I can speak loudly so I can be authentic all all these different aspects Um, you know as a podcaster using my voice but when you really fill up a room with your voice and the whole sound it just sort of bathes the whole your whole environment in the sound and in a car it 's even it 's even more so, so it 's just it 's almost like nothing else exists except for this sound you 're creating, which is wild
0: a while ago, I interviewed a woman named Madir Nain who it was all about the psychology of Kundalini, and mm. she brought some information about chanting that chant there are real scientific studies that show that chanting alone changes your brain, so I can imagine this work that you 're doing. Uh, Along with all of these other benefits that you're aware of, it's also, I don't know, giving giving you a better brain.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so there's other types of chanting like kirtan, you know, which I've done, participated in kirtan circles. And that also creates, it's a totally different sense, but it's like a call and response thing generally. Have you done kirtan? Have you?
0: Uh, A little bit, but it's been a while. Uh, Back in yoga teacher training, uh, my instructor was very into kirtan so we went to multiple events with her
1: yeah you know i had the experience growing up in church uh the, my favorite part was the, the singing you know just hearing everyone singing together and kirtan everyone's doing a call and response singing together and that really makes me feel strong emotions just singing with a with a whole bunch of people it's it's so powerful and uh yeah i really really love that as well
0: I have been looking for an adult choir for a while. I saw that somebody just launched one in LA and it looks amazing. I actually, in, in LA, I found out that, remember Janice from Friends? She leads a choir in Los Angeles, or at least she did a couple of years ago before the world shut down. And so I went and and we did the call and response type things and I actually cried. There's something about the collective vibration that is so so powerful. And when you think when you're actually in a sound bath of some sort, I don't know about you, but I can feel myself like aligning, like the resonance being absorbed into my body. And so when you consider chanting and you're the one creating that resonance and it's from the inside out, it's got to be even more powerful.
1: Yeah. And I I feel like this is an area where I'm not super expert on the explanations, but a lot of times... Maybe I'll go either way. I'll I'll do a bunch of research and then try it. But sometimes I try a thing and then do the research afterwards. And it's really interesting because I'm a former scientist and I and I like to have the logical, rational explanation in hand. I can kind of go both ways, but I get stuck and a lot of people get stuck in the in the understanding, which is different from the knowing. And people stop at the understanding. They've read a bunch of books, whatever, and if they haven't of fully explored what it's like to 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 do a thing then you're you're, you don't actually know it (laughs) so sometimes i like to just jump in and try a thing before as a total beginner so for example i'm coming up with telepathy games like how would we teach people telepathy in a really easy way and so the one i tried recently was uh, telepathy telephone where it's like normal game of telephone but you just Pass the thought from person to person around the table. So we play this with my family at the dinner table, and then I've been playing with my kids. Like they, they both love animals, so we'll say, "Okay, I'm thinking of an animal. What is it?" And then everyone guesses. And it's kind of interesting because telepathy—you can get little bits of information. You might not get the whole thing. My son and I, in particular, have a really seems like we have a easier time picking up on each other. So a lot of times, I'll guess the animal right right off straight away. But then my wife will be like, she'll guess a feature of the animal. She's like, oh, it's a snake. you be like, no, it was a lizard, or no, it was a turtle. And you're like, oh, I got the skin right, but I didn't get that it was the right species. So, so you get these partial partial correctness, which I think is fascinating, and that's just a just sort of like a playful way of exploring w- what it's like to to have telepathy.
0: My husband and I have actually practiced different telepathy things, but we haven't done it consistently. But I got really into reading books about intuition. And and like you said, I learned a long time ago, my first whole experience of trying self-development was just reading as much as I could. And that was beneficial because it did change some of the thoughts that were floating through my head. But You're right. My life started to change when I started to be like, okay, I've got to actually do the things that this is telling me to do. I can't just pack myself with knowledge. Although that did help create the hope so that I was able to have the motivation to do it. Well, I want to be more consistent with that. So I'm curious, what led you into being curious about telepathy and actually bringing that to your family?
1: Well, I, I interviewed an animal communicator named Dita Young. She's uh based out of Denmark. And she works with their Olympic horse, uh, show jumping team. And she teaches the riders to essentially be, be one with a horse. Cause you can't, you can't sort of force an animal that big to do what you want unless it wants to do it as well. And so then I was like, "Well, how easy would it be for you to teach me telepathy? And she was like, I could do it in uh, five minutes. I was like, what? So we did a, After the interview, we did a follow-up session. It was actually, we did a live on Instagram. And she was like, okay, I'll take you through this sort of induction technique, kind of like a hypnotic induction technique. And then she showed me, okay, here's a picture of a horse. What's wrong with this horse? Like, does it, how's its physique, you know, is it hurting anywhere? What's its personality like? And these were her clients. So she knew everything already that was wrong with them. And I I got it all right on the first try. She gave me three different horses and you know, she's like, yep, exactly. Yep. You got it. And I was like, that's too easy. That's amazing. And just seeing how easy it was for me to just be accurate at this just by being open. And, and the tricky part was, you know, something would come in, come into my mind like a thought or a feeling in my neck or something. I'm like, is that the, is that telepathy? Am I getting this feeling because of the thing and I would say I'm getting a feeling in my neck. She's like, yep, she has stiffness in the left side of his neck behind his ear. And I'm like, yep, that's where I feel it. And so interpreting the, the information was a little bit challenging because it sounded oftentimes like my own thoughts, but she was saying that's probably the horse's thoughts, but coming through in your own inner monologue tone. But I thought that was so cool that I, that with with no experience, I could just be telepathic within five, 10 minutes. So I thought, well, if I could practice this, it could probably get better. And then I could, just you know learn more about it so so we just started playing around in the last few weeks with that
0: so how did she instruct you in this just sit there be open and what's happening in your body
1: it was a series of first a series of breaths which i can't remember and then a series of visualizations like different lights and so imagine the front of your body is open and the back of your body is open and imagine you're receptive and porous in this way and you're opening your field to this information. You're inviting it in. You know, it was like how you would invite someone into your house, but it's like, I invite my field to be open to your information in a way.
0: So did you guys talk about this on the episode that she was on or was this a pre or post call? Can listeners learn where to find this out?
1: Yeah, you can, you can listen to the interview. And then a couple of weeks later, on uh, her Instagram, you can see me learn telepathy, and you can see me actually like telling about the horses that she's showing me the the pictures of.
0: I'll make sure to link to both of those things in the show notes because I want to learn. I think that's super interesting. It is f- funny though. I find that I've I've talked to a lot of intuitives about. Um, I'm like, make me psychic. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm like, teach me how how you do this, and and it's funny because. Over the last three years in particular, I've felt so many shifts of just opening up to like something greater. Uh, It's my connectedness. And it really, I think it's just trusting the fact that I've always been connected. And so deep in meditation, sometimes when I'm about to fall asleep, I'll just feel this like shift or a wave. But I found that what gets in my own way most often is my self-doubt. It's like, I will have a very powerful experience. I'll be feeling that physical feeling of somebody in pain. (laughs) I'm like, I think I know this. I'm like, but why should I know this? You know, like, is this real? Am I making this up? And I, in particular, I did a past life regression episode and she guided me through it. And it was interesting because she's just like, well, tell me what's coming to your head. And I really felt like I was making it up. I was like, well, I think like I could, I was following a storyline in my head, but I'm like, isn't this just how every storyline in my head goes? Once I start focusing on it, it just continues. And it it felt like I was like making up a story, but I got to one part of it and I burst out into tears. It was like this overwhelming emotion and, and it was a past life regression. So the experience was I had apparently two young boys and I was stirring soup and then they ran outside to play and there was an explosion. And I get, see, I get chills just telling you about it right now, like wow. actual physical chills. And I just started crying. And I was like, I felt like I was making this whole story up. Why am I so attached emotionally to it? And that was my key that it was, that there was something to that, that there was some realness to it. But if I wasn't, if I didn't have that person like validating what I was going through and that emotion validating it, I would have just thought none of it was real.
1: That's amazing. Was was there a specific time period? What was that event, that explosion event?
0: I'm not sure. I know it was definitely back in the day because it was like this hut. <laughs> there was like a dirt floor um, and I was just stirring. It wasn't really a cauldron, but it was like a big pot of of soup. And and then, then I had like two young boys that I just knew were, my, they kind of ran through, grabbed a piece of bread and ran out and then there was an explosion. So I'm not sure. I wish I knew. I should go back. <laughs>
1: What I've sort of come to understand about past lives and future lives is that they're all happening at the same time. So if you take this linear perception of time out of the equation, then what happens is we're each sort of a a, a fractal of, of a larger oversoul, like a like a branching tree, right? And so the soul that is me is also the soul in my past life, which is happening at the same time as it is now. And what's cool there's there's research that that often facial features are the same from people who have been reincarnated like facial recognition software picks up the same person that they used to be identifies them now as the kid that they are from the photo of the adult that they were just really awesome stuff so there's themes there's it's almost like um more than genetics there's a an essence to a soul and and the way that it experiences the universe and way that it, evolves so you'll have these themes like I probably was very uh adventurous in most of my lives for for example and as far as I can tell I've I've been a a man in every single life um so there's this like my soul is real deep into understanding the masculine aspect in a lot of ways so there's there's just there's so much to it and you can sort of tune in to one thing I another experiment I'm doing right now is I'm trying to figure out a way to download language I'm trying to become fluent in French because I was had a past previous life as a French fur trapper so I'd like to sort of matrix style instantaneously download his French language skill into my reality by harmonizing with that experience so that essentially merges that experience into my future uh, my current experience
0: How did you come to be aware of that particular past life?
1: A couple of folks gave me, this is another interview that I did. Um, Carrie Keller and Bonnie Darby, they work as a team and they'll go back and review a past life. And in particular, they're looking, they sort of like look through all your past lives and then they pick one that's relevant for you. And they picked this French fur trapper out of the myriad. And in particular, they said, this guy he was an entertainer and a storyteller. He would go out and he was trapping in the wilderness in the Canadian wilderness. And he would come back and and into the trading post and everyone loved him because he came up with all these stories and he was like almost like a spiritual teacher because he would tell these humorous stories about his time out in nature and then people would learn from these little parables just like how Jesus taught. And so they said you you need to learn to teach in these parable style stories to be more impactful and it was such a random little tidbit to pull from a past life and they're like that would probably be the most useful thing you could learn but of course i was like i want to learn french i'm gonna like
0: <laughs> you're all screw parables french yeah. parables <laughs> i need to talk to them. I am definitely going to have you connect me to them if that's okay, because I want to do an episode. That sounds fascinating. And I've got to make sure that I link to that episode of yours as well, because we're just digging into all of this goodness. So when you're thinking about downloading French, how do you see yourself going about that? Is it just purely a focus and again, remaining open and a belief that it can happen? Do you have a template uh, or a process for this?
1: The, the way that I'm going about it, and I don't know if this is a, an appropriate way, but it's to try to really understand what it feels like for that past life to be speaking French for them. And then for me to get into that state of knowing that I'm fluent in French and using it without thinking, you know, just unconsciously good at French. And, you know, when I get into the the overthinking it, that's when I have trouble. But I can listen with no subtitles to a French movie, and I totally understand it. But I still have trouble with speaking it. My accent is really good. I've talked to French speakers, and they're like, wow, you sound like a native speaker. So I I have a very clean French accent, and I can understand when French people are speaking. But I still have trouble forming the words right to get them out to express myself in French.
0: That reminds me of my baby. Cause like lately he's been like, he'll just look at me and will be like, <laughs> and I'm like, you clearly think you're saying something. <laughs> and I want to understand so bad. And I think I do. And I'll pretend that I do. Or when I, you, before I knew how to play the piano, I remember being really young and we first rented a piano and I couldn't play yet. And I would sit down and there was something inside me that knew I could play And I just go and all of a sudden my fingers would move elegantly and the sounds sounded terrible, but like there was like this belief inside. So I can see what you're talking about of just that, that sort of knowing that you can unlock something. And I totally think that's possible. But again, we tend to get in our own way. And when you feel yourself getting in your own way, do you just step back and not do the practice at that time? Do you try to find stillness? What's your process through moving through getting in your own way?
1: That's a really fantastic question and it's causing me to to wonder how I how I do it. I mean, I use my wife a lot. I'm like, "Hey, here's what I'm working on and I'm struggling because it feels like I'm overthinking it or something." So my wife and uh, and the the shaman that I work with, he's he simplifies everything. But they both sort of give me this this feedback of like, "Yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, just keep going." And it's like, "Okay. All right. I'm just <laughs> I'm just thinking about it too much. Like just keep, you know, it's all fine. It's all way simpler than you're trying to make it. Stop, stop complicating it. Stop thinking, just do it. You know?
0: Yeah. That reminds me of meditation in general, where do you remember like the first times you were meditating? And when I I had a complete misunderstanding, I think of what meditation was, we started learning in high school for my cross country coach was like, you guys need to learn to meditate. And it was all about like clearing your mind for no thoughts. And <laughs> and if you try to clear your mind for no thoughts, you're going to have the loudest thoughts in the world, I believe. <laughs> At least that's what happened to me. And so then I'd be like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. And then the whole session would be like me beating myself up for not being able to meditate. And then there was through practice and through a different understanding of what meditation was supposed to be and, and Allowing the thoughts, actually, without judgment and not not giving more power to them by adding to the story, but by just kind of accepting them and watching them pass and knowing that that's what the mind is for is to create thoughts and whatever – especially it was about three years ago that I started reaching this other place where I would just kind of feel the transcendence and it would almost feel like floating for a minute, but then I'd get in my own way and be like, oh my God, I've made it. And then I'd like be back in my my thoughts again. I'm like, oh, release or just, and it was more about, yeah, it was more of an allowance uh, because when we try to push something, it's whether we're pushing or pulling, either way, it's resistance. And so that resistance is the thing that I find causes my, thoughts to just get louder and, and to disconnect me from the source that I'm trying to connect with the entire time.
1: Yeah, it's, a good, it's good to remember. I, I have a totally different sort of relationship with meditation. I don't actually do it that much like a lot of people, I think. But I what I understand now is that I instantly went into astral projection when I started learning meditation. Like the second second session... I travel to the sun, and then pretty much every time I'm either traveling with one of the one of the five elements. Every time I meditate, and so it's it's a little bit different for me because I always just get taken somewhere uh, on, on a journey rather than like sitting with my own thoughts.
0: So, why do you think that you were immediately propelled into astral projection, and what's that experience like?
1: I was in Cambodia at Angkor Wat, which is one of the ancient sites which is aligned with the sun uh, is built to, to be sort of a physical portal that links with the sun. And so I was, I was there at this retreat center, right on the temple. And I was essentially, I was breathing and then I was like, I was breathing in the sun and then I was inside the sun. And then I just started, you know, I was the sun. I was filled up with light and I could sort of go anywhere in the universe. And this happened right away. And I was so excited. I told everyone at the retreat and I was like, I figured I, like meditation is amazing. Like, it's so cool. And they're like, what did what did you experience? I was like, well, you know, when, you know, when you become the sun and you can just like, <laughs> just go wherever you want. And they were like, uh, no, we were just dealing with all these mosquitoes and the dogs barking next door and like the sweatiness of the tropical environment. I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, they just taught us to do this breathing stuff. And then this happens. So I think I just got lucky with being in the right place. And most commonly, I'm connecting with the wind element, though, rather than rather than like the sun or fire. And I'm always um, moving around the world with the wind through my meditation.
0: Is that like a bird's eye view? Oh, that's cute. (laughs) I like that middle name. So when you're just for more clarity on what that's like, you're moving around the world with the wind. Is it like a bird's eye view? Or are you actually seeing details of the world? Or is it more of just like a knowing and a feeling like you're doing that?
1: Yeah, it's like experiencing yourself as the wind. Oftentimes when I start a meditation, the wind will pick up where I am and it will like sweep my consciousness up into it. it not so much in, if I'm doing it inside but whenever i'm doing it outside the wind will come and i'll just get swept up right right along with it and then um yeah it's just like i feel like the wind must feel
0: and you don't do this all the time i feel like if that was my experience in meditation you'd never hear from me again <laughs> i just yeah melissa's on her pod she's been there since <laughs> since 2007
1: <laughs> i'm i'm so curious about so many different things you know i can't wait I love when I have that experience in meditation, but also I can't wait to go to sleep at night to experience dream time because that's such a rich environment. And, you know, or I can't wait to bust out my crystals and learn a new way of working with them. And so it's like, I want to be in the present moment, but I've also got 10 million more experiments in the pipeline that I want to try.
0: Well, I can't wait to follow all of those experiments. And I'm sure so many listeners are intrigued as to where to hear about all of this stuff. So for listeners that are like, this dude's the most fascinating person I've ever met, where's the best place for them to connect with you and tell them about your podcast?
1: Yeah, thank you. It's the Derek Milk Show on podcast platforms. And I've, uh, I'm just expanding into YouTube now, which is really exciting. And uh, yeah, just you know, search, searching my, my name will pull up all my socials. I may also, I'm I'm working on something. Another thing that I'm excited about is um, pulling together a small mastermind of spiritual thought leaders. I, I'm developing the program right now, but that's something I'll be launching to, soon. So if if that's the type of person you are, then it might, might be something for you. Just put that in your back of your mind.
0: All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash x75. Your challenge for this week is to do a little self-experiment. And again, I'm not talking about ingesting your bathroom cleaners. (laughs) I'm talking about deciding to do something, anything, a habit change, a mindset trick, a new hobby, a new friend, and just take note of how you feel. Are there any differences in your mind or your body? Note the differences after 24 hours, after 48 hours, after one week. I've tried a lot of different habits in my life. A lot of them were to get rid of or replace bad habits, but I've also just started doing something new and I'm a habitual person, so it ends up becoming a habit or a routine. Well, what I've realized is that the habits that stick are the ones that I make a conscious effort to note the changes. I sit and feel those changes. I praise those changes. Or if I'm breaking a bad habit, I bring awareness to the negative effects that I'm really, really feeling. So I'll give you an example about breaking a habit. Six months ago, I stopped drinking alcohol. Well, up to that point that I decided to stop drinking alcohol, I was making note of exactly how I felt when I was drinking the alcohol. Did I actually feel better? I was used to saying that it felt better, that I felt less stress. But what I actually noticed was that I was a little bit more tired. I was a little bit more on edge. I was a little bit more involved in my own world instead of showing up for the other people in my world. So with these notes of changes and bringing awareness to these negative things... The bubble of admiration or idolatry that I held for alcohol before started to fade. When I stopped drinking, yes, it was difficult to change the habit to not want a glass of wine when I was cooking dinner but I would first replace it with something different like tea or one of the amazing non-alcoholic concoctions you can get these days, which if you need recommendations, reach out to me on Instagram because I've gone pretty ham on those non-alcoholic alternatives and I definitely have my favorites and can tell you why I love or dislike each one. Anyways, I took note of how I felt after a glass of that. Did I want to reach for another? Did I feel better about myself? How did I want to spend my time after drinking this versus drinking a glass of wine? So I brought the awareness to what was actually going on rather than the story I had attached myself to. And it helped me see my old habit versus my new habit more clearly. So the same works for self-experimentation as that was a version of self-experimentation. I did the same thing when I was meditating. I would take note throughout my day wow, that was a situation that would normally trigger me, but this time it didn't. Meditation is working. So you build the evidence, but so often we're on autopilot so we don't see all of those little tiny changes and it makes us less willing to come back to something, especially when it seems difficult. So let me know how it goes. I wanna know what little experiments you are trying on yourself and your world. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa or leave a comment on the show notes page of this episode at mindlove.com slash x75. Thank you for all of my premium members. You guys are my inner circle and I love you so much. If you want to become a premium member, you can go to mindlove.com slash premium. You become one of the biggest supporters of Mind Love. You help the show go on and you also get all of the backlogs of exclusive episodes plus meditations and some other bonuses. Also, I don't really mention this often, but Premium members get exclusive access to book a single coaching call with me for 50% off of the normal price. So if you've ever wanted to have a conversation with me or questions have been accumulating during your time of listening, join Premium and you can purchase a coaching call right on the checkout page. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next time.